0: It is good to worship and sing to the Lord our Maker. Strength does indeed arise as we wait upon the Lord, does it not? Strength uh, to face each day, strength to stand firm in faith. Uh, Even in our current day, strength arises as we wait upon the Lord. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Noel, for your ministry of music with us and for us today. Well, my name is uh, Tim Shorey, one of the pastors of Risen Hope Church. want to greet any who are watching today who may be guests to us. If this is your first time or your 10th time or your 100th time, uh, we welcome you. Uh, we're glad you're with us and we trust that your experience of worship, even though virtual, will be meaningful, will be powerful Uh, will be transforming uh, in your life, in your faith, and in ours. If you are a guest, I do want to encourage you to go to our website, uh, risenhopechurch.org, and uh, contact us there. Let us know of your visit and of anything that we uh, can do to be of service to minister to you. As we continue in worship, we want to... Make sure that we consistently, in obedience to Scriptures, as Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 16, on the first day of every week, uh, want to bring our offerings to the Lord to honor Him. So as we worship God in and through our giving, we want to thank you for your faithfulness, and we want to encourage you to ongoing faithfulness for the ongoing expansion of the kingdom of God. I, I remind you that you can give um, on our website. Uh, go again to risenhopechurch.org and give online or you can uh, send your gift to our church office. Again, the information for that is online. As as we are considering giving just, just a couple of, of quick updates for you, want to encourage you to keep Ah, uh, your eye on your uh, email box that uh, uh, you'll be receiving videos. There have been a couple over the last couple of days uh, receiving video links that will be uh, we'll be sending to you to uh, continue to update you, to inform, to inspire, to invest, uh, as we as a church are looking to uh, move our location in the next very few weeks. God is at work. And we want you to be a part of it. We want you to be current in the developments. So please make sure to check your box and watch those brief four to five minute videos. We also want to uh, make sure that you're aware uh, that uh, this evening at 730, uh, we are going to have an hour of prayer together. Again, praying for our nation, praying for our world and praying for our church. So check your emails uh, for that and for the Zoom information uh, regarding that. Let's, Let's bow for prayer at this time. Oh Lord our God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this morning and opportunity to worship and praise you. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of being able to give to to bring to you our tithes and our offerings. May your blessing be on our gifts for the glory of your name. Lord, as we come before you and are worshipping you, even in giving, Lord, we recognize that you are not dependent on our giving. We are dependent on your giving. We need you, O Lord, to give generously to us, for the everyday needs of our lives, but also, Lord, for the great crises of our lives, for those, those needs that uh, surround us, those needs that are everywhere in our world. A, a world full of COVID, a world full of unrest, a, a world full of stress, a world full of violence, a world full of hatred. Lord, we need you to give to us great help and grace, Please be with us, Lord, in our national crisis. Be with us in the divisions that are in the church that are sometimes rooted in centuries of sin and, and unrest. Lord, please render justice for all without any exceptions. Father, please give to us a radical humility to assume in all of our disagreements that we are at least partly wrong in our opinions, that there is something for us to learn and there is always a need for a posture of humility. O Lord, grant us by Your mercy and Your generous Spirit that we would be a people marked by love. That we would weep with those who weep. That we would rejoice with those who rejoice. That Father, we would stand with and alongside of those who are afraid, who are fearful, who are concerned. Lord, we we pray. We pray that You would end all violence, even even when it claims to be in the interest of freedom or justice. O Lord, make us a people of peace. Lord, we pray for the reconciling power of the Gospel to be evident between Christians in our land in our church in our communities so much so that that we refuse to quit or run when we find it hard to understand each other or to get along with each other oh Lord help us to realize that no matter how hard and how strongly we may disagree we are one in Christ and at the foot of the cross we stand on level ground that means there's there's no room for angry hostility or accusing slander or divisive arguments. Oh Lord, give us grace. Lord, would you please be upon our church in these days of, of various challenges and stresses? Lord, would you please be upon us? Would you give us faith and commitment and hope as we seek with all of our heart, to follow Your lead as best we can understand it. Lord, would You give us courage for it, and faith for it, and then fruit in it for Your glory. And Lord, as we open Your Word now, as we expound the sacred Scriptures, oh, how we long to hear Your voice, even if that voice brings correction even if that voice brings reproof, even if that voice brings challenge to us, O Lord, we long to hear Your voice. So as we open Your Word, please open our ears and our hearts, and we will give You the praise for Your everlasting glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, at this time, let's open up the Word of God together and return to our series of expositions through uh, the book of Acts in the New Testament. I invite you to open your Bibles. You will want your Bible uh, handy uh, for this message today as we are going to turn to a number of texts of Scripture. Uh, Open your Bible, please, to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And I'm going to read beginning in verse 23. Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. And now begins the reading of the Holy Scriptures for our profit and for our benefit. When they, that is the apostles, were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. And thus ends the reading of the inspired Word of God, the inerrant, inspired, infallible Word of God. I would say that if there is one need we have in these days, it is the need for courage. We need courage to face COVID. We need courage to face national circumstances and unrest. We need courage to face insults and hatred and injustice and loss of freedoms without anger or rage or retaliation. We need courage uh, to face the evil that is in high places. We need Courage to face the godless agendas of those that are around us. We need courage to face the, lo- the loss of decency and civility. We need courage to face a-, a culture of lies and fake news coming at us from all directions. We need courage to face increased hostility from those who despise faithful, biblical Christianity. We need courage uh, to face increased, deep, dividing lines between Christians that threaten the unity of the body of Christ. We need courage to face a pervasive, secular, anti-God world in which we live. We need courage to face challenges... Uh, that have existed, stresses and strains and sins that have existed for centuries, that indeed are part of the human condition all the way back to the beginning of time. We need courage for the sake of the gospel as a local church, as we face decisions and transitions in coming days. We need courage. Courage. And so it seems to me that it's fitting as we enter a new year and continue our series in Acts to, to consider a message or two on the matter of spirit-filled boldness, spirit-filled courage. One of, one of the great, enjoyable, stirring effects of Scripture are the multiple examples that we have of courage. Abraham was called to leave his homeland and God said, I want you to go. And what's fascinating is that God did not tell Abraham where he was going, but he just said go. And so he had to be going, as some have said, he had to be going without knowing where he was going. That took courage. Moses was called to courage to confront Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Joshua had to take courage to to enter the land of promise and and go up against, if you will, the giants that were there. Deborah and Sarah had to have courage to do risky things in obedience to God and in defense of His people. David needed courage to take on Goliath and all the enemies of God. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego needed courage to, to brave the fiery furnace rather than sin against God. Daniel needed courage to resist the pressure of his peers and of his surroundings to violate his values and to continue praying even though it cost him nearly cost him his life as he was thrown into a lion's den. All the prophets who dared to preach the word and confront evil rulers and nations risked everything for the cause of God and truth. Ezra and Nehemiah needed courage to rebuild the wall and rebuild the temple, even though they were mockers and antagonists and discouragers all around them as they were working, trying to derail that work. Tremendous courage. Or I thought this week of Esther. Esther who had to stand up against the, the power brokers of her day. Those Esther who had to stand up in behalf of her people and in her moment of decision, when she knew that to approach the king in defense of her people might well get her killed, she said, if I perish, I perish. She was a woman who counted the cost and was willing to pay it. And I asked the question, are we we in the cause of God and of truth? Are we willing to do the same? If I perish, I perish. If I lose friends, I lose friends. If I experience some inconvenience, I experience inconvenience if I lose money or popularity I lose them if I if I have to love unlovable people I will love them if I have to speak corrective truth even to my friends and people who are on my side I will risk losing their approval I will speak the truth if I face persecution I face persecution. If I am called an ignorant, superstitious fool for my faith, I will be willing to bear that and receive that without retaliation, rage, or revenge. We need brave men and women and young people in this generation. We need men and women who are willing to stand up for God and stand up for truth. We need courage. And so as we, as we come to the book of Acts, it is, it's good, I am grateful that there is a major emphasis in the book of Acts on courage. What we've been doing in these last uh, three or four months is just looking at what happened in the early church when the Spirit of God fell upon the church and filled believers. If you'll recall... Praise happens, prayer happens, evangelism happens, generosity happens, spiritual affections, love, joy, reverence happens, fear-filled or reverent holiness happens. And as we turn to the Scriptures today, we also find out perhaps a surprising manifestation of Spirit-filled church life is boldness. Boldness. The word boldness that appears in the text that we just read a couple of times speaks of a confident courage, and an open, a free, and unrestrained come-what-may confidence in God and in the Gospel that is willing to speak in certain ways and live in certain ways that are unblushing, that are fearless, that are courageous. I want us to look at the text and just glean from the the surface of this text in a quick survey just just four things. Number one, these early Christians needed boldness. They needed boldness. Look at verse 21 of chapter 4. It says that the leaders and their cultural leaders had threatened them. These early believers were being threatened for their faith. And we read in verse 29, in the middle of their prayer, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They were genuinely threatened. They were in danger of rejection, of persecution, of loss, not for you know, some political rants that they had gone on or angry social media tirades or some other opinion, but for proclaiming the Word and the Gospel of God through the Lord Jesus Christ and for being holy in their generation, they were being threatened. And they needed boldness. So what did they do? They prayed for boldness. Verse 29, And now... Lord, look upon their threats and grant to Your servants to continue to speak Your Word with all boldness. If our faithfulness to God, to His Word, to His doctrine, to His law, produces risks and threats for us, we need to pray like they did for courage if we are fearful let us pray for boldness if we are shy and reserved about our faith let us pray for a new bold voice if we are timid let us pray for courage if we are worried about the consequences of being faithful in our witness and godliness in a watching and mocking world let us Pray for a fearless embrace of whatever comes our way. If we are worried about the future and how we're going to make it, let us pray for a God-inspired confidence. Let us realize, as we have sung already, let us realize that as we wait upon the Lord, strength does indeed arise within us. Let us wait upon the Lord in prayerful Dependence. They needed boldness. They prayed for boldness. And now notice third, they received boldness. Verse 31, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. They received the boldness for which they had prayed. The God to whom they prayed, who they described earlier in their prayer as the Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, that Sovereign Lord who is the Maker of all that is, He answered their prayer when they were feeling fear and being afraid, when they were feeling like the earth was a very dangerous place to be, when uncertainty and fear of consequences Came, rushed in upon their hearts when they were facing a future full of uncertainty. They turned. They turned to the sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. They asked him for courage and he delivered it to them. Oh, there is in this all kinds of reasons to be encouraged, there is in this all kinds of reasons to stand up and stand strong in these days they needed courage they needed boldness they prayed for boldness they received boldness but here's the question how did they receive that boldness how did God deliver that boldness that courage to them look at verse 31 again and when they had prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. The answer to fear and cowardice and timidity in our moment is the filling of the Spirit of God. There is a direct connection between the filling of the Spirit and courage and boldness in our lives. Do you remember what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1? You may realize, or you may not, that Timothy was a man who apparently suffered a bit from timidity and fear. And Paul, in writing to him in 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7, says this. 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God, listen to this, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God has given us a spirit, His spirit. And His Spirit is not a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. What has God given to us? He has given us His Spirit. And what does that Spirit produce within us? Not fear, but power. Courageous, bold confidence in God. It is as we are filled with the Spirit that Fear is vanquished and courageous power and advancement of the gospel happens. So here's, here's the conclusion. We, we need to be filled with the Spirit in order to be bold in God and bold for God. We need to be filled with the Spirit in order to be bold in God and for God. What I want us to do in the rest of our time here today and then again next week, Lord willing, is to see what spirit filled boldness actually says and does as recorded in the book of Acts. The book of Acts, we could say, is really something of a profile of courage, a profile of spirit filled courage. And there are going to be six things that Spirit-filled boldness says. uh, Three that it says and three that it does. We'll look at what it says here today. Spirit-filled boldness, number one, proclaims the salvation and supremacy of Christ alone. Spirit-filled boldness proclaims the salvation and supremacy of Christ alone. Spirit-filled boldness, number two, preaches the hard and the whole truth of God. And number three, spirit-filled boldness rebukes sin and commands repentance. If we are filled with the Spirit, we will be filled with boldness. And if we are filled with boldness, we will commit with our words to these three things. Let's look at them together. Spirit-filled boldness proclaims the salvation and the supremacy of Christ alone. Look back a few verses in Acts chapter 4 to verse 8 through verse 13. Then Peter, notice this, filled with the Holy Spirit, the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Oh, that that would be said of us. Oh, that people looking at us would recognize that we have been with Jesus. That they would recognize not that we have been with our favorite news network. That they would recognize not that we have been with our political party, that we have been with our particular group and our particular opinion. Oh, that people would recognize when they see us and when they hear us that we have been with Jesus. That we have fellowshiped with Christ and learned from Christ and are committed to Christ and have been transformed by Christ. Oh, that people would recognize that we have been with Jesus. When we have been with Jesus, something will happen to us. We will be filled with the Spirit. Verse 8, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And being filled with the Spirit, we will be filled, verse 13, with boldness. Now, as as you look at Peter's boldness it's hard it's hard to know what is most uh, what took the most amount of courage was it how he called out their sin directly you crucified jesus or was it that he declared that jesus and jesus alone is the way of salvation there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other way. There's no other way. Jesus is the only one who is God and man. Jesus is the only one who has lived a perfect life. Jesus is the only one who has died as an atonement for our sins. Jesus is the only one who was raised from the dead and declared to be the eternal Son of God with power and who has never died Again, Jesus is the only one who is ascended to the right hand of God, enthroned beside the Father. Jesus is the only one who has authority to save and will rule until all of His enemies are made His footstool. Do you dare to say that in this generation? Jesus and Jesus only. Jesus and Jesus only. I am not saying say this self-righteously. Those who know themselves and know their own sins can never say this self-righteously, as if somehow or other we are smarter and wiser and better than others. If anything, as Christians, we ought to know that we are, in the words of Paul, of all sinners, the chief, the, the worst of sinners. No, this is not to be said pompously or arrogantly, but with a profound self awareness that the 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 great we are the ones who need Jesus more than anyone, and the only reason we see Jesus and trust Jesus and, and follow Jesus and, and rest in Jesus as our Savior and Lord is because the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes to see his beauty and to see his worth. But with humility with a profound sense of self-awareness over our own sin, we nonetheless have to be willing in this day, in this generation, to stand up as Christians and say, Jesus is the way. Oh, it's going to take boldness. It's going to take courage. I think of Paul in Acts chapter 17 as he confronts, as he communicates the Gospel. To the people of Athens, you'll know the story. The people of Athens, very religious people. There were idols and gods everywhere. And Paul stands up in that culture, in that context, the Roman and Greek context that was committed to pluralism. You could believe anything you want. And, and Paul stands up there and says, there is but one God, and He has appointed a day when His Son, Jesus Christ, will judge us all. And we must repent and follow Christ, or we will be judged by Him on that day. I took courage. Or I think of chapter 28 and verse 30, where Paul is under house arrest in Rome. And he spends, it says there, two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Why did it take boldness, indeed all boldness, to proclaim the kingdom of God? Well, because the kingdoms of this world, including the Roman kingdom that had put him in prison in Acts chapter 28, the kingdoms of this world do not like rival kingdoms. They want our allegiance. They want our supreme allegiance. They want us to, to give ourselves to them, but we come, Christians come, filled with the Spirit of God, filled with, ber- with boldness, and we stand and we proclaim The kingdom of God. We proclaim that Jesus is Lord. We proclaim that there is no other Lord but He. He is not one among many. He is the one over all. There is no one else to trust. There is no one else to follow. There is no one else to whom we should pledge our absolute allegiance. Spirit-filled Christians and and churches do not shrink back from this. They do not fudge on this or blur on this. Jesus is Lord. And He alone is Savior. And there is no other way, Jesus Himself said, to the Father except through Him. May it it be known this day that God enabling us and God empowering us, this is and will always be what we declare wherever Risen Hope Church is located, this is what we will declare. Jesus is the way. And there is no other. Spirit-filled boldness will proclaim the supremacy and the salvation of Christ alone. Secondly, Spirit-filled boldness preaches the hard and the whole truth of God. And when I say preaches, I'm not just talking about what I'm doing right now behind a pulpit. Talking about what you do at the water cooler at work. I'm talking about what you do over the back fence with your neighbor. I'm talking about what you do with family members and friends who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit-filled boldness preaches, declares the hard... And the whole truth of God. Look again at our text in verse 31. Acts 4 and verse 31. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak what? The Word of God with boldness. Spirit filled believers will speak the Word of God, the truth of of God with boldness. And they will not just speak some of it, they will speak all of it. Turn over in your Bibles to Acts 20. Acts 20 and verse 27, where Paul is recounting his ministry among the Ephesian believers. And he says in Acts 20 and verse 27, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I didn't cower. I didn't hesitate. I didn't draw back in fear. I didn't shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. What that implies, brothers and sisters, is that declaring the whole counsel of God takes courage. It implies that it takes boldness. There's something about preaching the whole and the hard Word of God that can make Christians shrink back and Paul says not me it's just a backdoor way of saying I was bold to declare to you the whole counsel of God if I say to you just by way of illustration if I say to you I did not hesitate to tell them that I'm a New England sports fan Well, what am I saying? I did not hesitate to tell them I'm a New England sports fan. What I'm actually saying is that I was open and honest and bold to declare my fandom. Paul is saying that. When he says, I did not shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God, what he's saying is, I boldly and confidently and forthrightly declared the whole counsel of God. In other words, I did not fear man by preaching only what people want to hear. I preached it all without shrinking back. Well, why does this take courage? Why does this take spirit-filled boldness? Whether it's from the pulpit or at the water cooler or over the backyard fence. Why does it take courage? Because it's always offensive. It's always politically incorrect. It was then and it is now to declare the whole counsel of God. Oh, my brothers and my sisters, if we preach all that God says, all that God says about the Lordship of Christ, all that God says about the exclusivity of faith in Christ alone leading to salvation, if if we declare all that God says about holiness and sin and sexuality and gender and gender roles and lying and prejudice and partiality. If we declare everything God says about greed and the law of God and judgment and hell and doctrines like election and predestination and if we declare everything that God says about biblical justice and all the rest, people will get mad. And Paul warns us by way of example that we are to not shrink back from declaring the whole and the hard counsel of god remember paul's words to timothy again if you want to flip over there in your bibles to second timothy chapter 4 here's what we read second timothy 4 beginning in verse 1 paul writes i, I charge you In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, this is Paul talking to Timothy, a young pastor. This is Paul talking to me as an old pastor. This is Paul talking to you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. As for you, always be sober-minded Endure sufferings. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Notice the connection. The call to courageous faithfulness is connected to suffering. Paul links faithfulness in the Word to the experience of hardship for the sake of the Word. It takes courage. I'm here to tell you that there have been hundreds of times, and I share this uh, not to sound noble or especially brave, because as many would know, um, I consider myself a somewhat fearful man. Uh, But there have been hundreds of times when in preaching the word, I have known that some sitting before me on those occasions would not like that word and would probably leave the church at some point because of that word. And yet I am called as we all are to courage and boldness in this our generation and if you have been faithful you have lost friends and admirers for your faithfulness. We are called We are called to proclaim the hard and the whole counsel of God. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not talking here about blustery boldness. I'm not talking about being mean or arrogant or insensitive or pompous or self-righteousness. It is not boldness to hop onto social media and go into a rant calling people idiots or morons or or worse true boldness, godly boldness, humble boldness is like Paul. Paul who said in Philippians chapter three verses seventeen and eighteen, Philippians three, seventeen and eighteen, many of whom I often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. That is the tone, dear ones. Tearful boldness. Humble boldness. A spirit-filled church is not just about pastors proclaiming the hard and the whole truth of God. It's also about congregations embracing, wanting the hard and the whole truth of God and then proclaiming it themselves. A Spirit-filled church will be bold to preach and to embrace the hard and the whole truth and to proclaim it, not in tirades, but with tears. If our proclamation of this is truly Spirit-filled, it will be tearful. If it is a tirade, it's not the spirit talking, it's the flesh. But true boldness, spirit-filled boldness, will speak the hard and the whole truth of God. And third and finally, spirit-filled boldness rebukes sin and commands repentance. It rebukes sin and commands repentance. Repentance. This, of course, starts with re- rebuking sin in ourselves. Any rebuking of sin that starts with you or starts with somebody else is simply self-righteousness. This is a rebuking. This is a correcting. This is a call to repentance of our own sins first. But if we are filled with the Spirit, we will also have the courage, we will have the boldness to call others to repentance to rebuke and correct their sin Peter does this we've already seen it in chapter 4 verses 10 and 11 filled with the spirit and filled with boldness he he looks into the eyes of his contemporaries and he said you crucified Jesus Christ and then a bit later on he says Jesus is the stone that you rejected trace this out in the book of Acts and the early Christians filled with the Spirit and filled with boldness, rebuked their neighbors, rebu- rebuked false teachers, rebuked political leaders for their various sin and for their pride. And they commanded, they commanded repentance. Chapter 2, repent and be baptized. Chapter 3, repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Chapter 8, repent of this wickedness of yours. Chapter 17, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. Boldness calls out sin and commands repentance. No matter how much the world's morals change and its standards change and its definitions of what are right and what is wrong changes, God's Word abides and His law abides forever. It is unbending and unflinching in the face of all the changes and the whims of this world. The Word of God and the law of God are not subject to human will or wish or opinion. It's not as if God puts His finger to the wind to discern which direction popular opinion is blowing. No, God has spoken and Spirit-filled boldness will declare what He has said, whatever the consequences or whatever the cost. Boldness will call out sin in ourselves and in others. And I say it again because it has to be said. I see it on Facebook virtually every day of my life where Christians, in the name of courage and boldness, are simply doing nothing but expressing a tirade and self-righteous judgment on others. This has nothing to do with that. This is a tearful. This is a humble, this is a heartbroken calling out of the sins of our own lives and the sins of others and a call to repentance without partiality. It is a calling out of sin of our own hearts and lives and of our friends, of those who are on our side. It is a bold declaration of what is right and what is wrong and a fearless commitment to live by that law. And then to undergo conviction and repentance when we break that law. And then to call others to that repentance as well. My brothers and sisters in Christ, whether you're a member of Risen Hope Church or not, whoever you are, Wherever you're listening from, I'm here to tell you as a servant of the Lord this day that this is a generation in which this kind of Christian and this kind of courage is needed. We need boldness. So let us pray for boldness. And let us wait upon the Sovereign Lord who has made all things to deliver that boldness to us. And let us, in the pursuit of that boldness, submit ourselves to, seek and submit ourselves to, the filling of the Holy Spirit. What will a Holy Spirit-filled Christian be like? What would a Holy Spirit-filled church be like? We will be bold fearless for the sake of Christ if you are someone hearing me this day and you have never bowed your knee to Jesus Christ I'm here to tell you there is salvation in no one else that's not us being proud and arrogant it's simply the truth Jesus and Jesus only has died for your sins Jesus and Jesus only is Lord and Savior Jesus and Jesus only is sitting on the throne of heaven Jesus and Jesus only has promised forgiveness for all who will trust in him will you bend your knee before him and will you confess that he is Lord if you will he will receive you as his very own and he will pour his spirit into your heart and life and empower you to change and empower you to live a courageous life of character and virtue and faith and speech so that your life and your words will match as a man or a woman or a young person or a child who knows Jesus and has been with Jesus. May it be this week that we will spend time with Jesus and that we will be praying for courage for this our generation for such a time as this. We are to be today's Esthers. Today's Daniels. Shadrach's, Meshach's, and Abednego. May God give us grace. Let's pray. O Lord, fill us with your spirit. We need courage. In every way. We need courage, O Lord. May your spirit fill us. Empower us and bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. If there are any questions that you may have in response to this message, please contact us. We would love to interact with you. Any concerns or if in your own heart and life you're saying, I want to know this Jesus. I need this Jesus. I need a Savior. I need a Lord. Please contact us. It would be our privilege to speak with you. And may it be as Christians that we will encourage one another, that we will put courage into each other, calling each other to faith and boldness in these trying days and difficult generation. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and may the peace and the love of God the Father, and may the comfort and the courage of the Holy Spirit Rest upon each one of us until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.